is Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining me on the show today. I have a very special guest, a, a good, good friend of mine, a award-winning novelist and blogger and uh, somebody who knows what's going on around the world, and particularly in this country, and particularly in the northwest part of the country. And uh, it's John Trudell, who is author of five novels, all of which are very, very good. And uh, I'm going to ask John to, to tell you about them because uh, uh, the, he's won awards for almost all of them. And so what your books are, are basically well, thrillers, aren't they, John? Yeah, most people would call them global thrillers. Uh, it's You know, it's kind of funny. You have to name a category so they know where to put you on the shelf. But uh, I'm the only global thriller that has ever won a, a national award in uh, paranormal because I have a remote viewer kind of person who uh, the CIA actually used to use folks like that. So I, I, teamed, I teamed this woo-woo lady up with a hardcore burned-out uh, paramilitary guy and uh it's uh an interesting pairing it's uh, i've got two novels out with those as my heroes and the third one's half done uh so they won they've won awards in several categories but yeah they're primarily thrillers uh, they're primarily thrillers it's good versus evil set a few years in the future uh, i have five novels out the uh let me first off give my websites um for all my novels, uh, reviews, interviews like this one, and uh, <coughs> and more, uh, www. Just my name, John J O H N T R U D E L. dot com. www.johntrudel.com. and that's everything about my novels, and including what people have said about them. I also have a blog, The Freedom Writers, writers with a W, blog, and I collect things. I, uh, to do these novels, um, to write at a professional level, you really need good sources. So I have a lot of people in my network who tell me things, and I finally uh, share some of them and put it up on the blog. So I'm tracking things like... Um, all Iran with nuclear weapons and things like that. The um, interesting thing about my books that I think got them noticed is uh, I'll write a novel, I'll make up a story, and by the before the ink is even dry, it's really happening. And the uh, first one was God's House. It won one national award. Uh, the second one was privacy wars and the theme was you take 1984 and, and move it forward to cyberspace and uh, have all kinds of international figures involved and uh, about the time the book came out so it's big brother on steroids uh, watching everybody and um, the book came out and uh, there's snowden running for his life and stuck in the moscow airport and uh, it turns out that we, by the time it's all over with, we find out everybody is being watched. And <laughs> we know that even more now. Uh, and so um, people doing that stuff couldn't talk about it. It's all classified, and other people didn't know anything about it. I'm a novelist, so I'm giving all these interviews. That book won three national awards, and that kind of got me some notice. Uh, then I did one based on bioweapons, and uh, within a year or so, we had bioweapons walking across our borders with Ebola. <laughs> and the hot series right now, my latest one, is Raven's Run, 
and that was what if what if you had terrorists islamic jihadists with iranian nuclear weapons sounded pretty far-fetched and so I came up with that plot line, and um, that was Raven's Run, and uh, it had been out for two or three months. And they start talking about this Iran deal, uh, and uh, for the second time in, in U.S. history, we had a major head of state come to Congress and warn us about the deal. Netanyahu came, came to the Congress, and of course um, the administration wouldn't meet with him, and we wound up signing a deal that gives Iran nukes. Isn't that wonderful? Um, and that book got a lot of attention. The sequel is Raven's Redemption, and it follows that theme. It kind of builds on it. And <clears throat> so those are my five novels. And um, I have weird experiences. I'll, I'll tell one just very quickly. Uh, there's a pretty famous guy, General Paul Vallely, uh, he's a retired two-star. He's a real expert on geopolitics. He knows the Middle Middle East very, very well, knows the head of states over over there, meets with them, and was trying to sort out the Syria thing. Uh, got everybody to agree to it, including the Russians and the Syrians, but Obama didn't like the deal, so that was the end of that. But uh, Paul and I had uh, been doing book signings, and we'd always be a week or two away from each other, going around Arizona. I'd be talking at, at some group, and he'd have been there the week before or the next week. And this went on for years. And finally, we talked to each other. We wind up in the same place and uh, had a great conversation. He's a neat guy. He runs Stand Up America and uh, very, very savvy fellow and still active in things. So we have this long talk, and it was supposed to be a cup of coffee. It went on all morning long, and I met his wife and his grandkids and so forth and so on. And as my plot line in Raven's Run is I have a Russian icebreaker, nuclear-powered icebreaker, that has been sold to the Iranians, and they're using it as a launch platform for missiles. And uh, you know, one or two, uh, I heard Michael talk last week, a couple of EMP weapons could take down the whole power grid, and it would be very, very ugly. So you have terrorists with nukes, and my heroes are trying to prevent them, and that's the storyline. And so uh, cut to the meeting with uh, General Valley, <laughs> and we talk and we talk and we talk. We have all these topics. We have people that we, you know, mutual friends and this kind of stuff. And as, he, as he's leaving, he pulls out his cell phone, and he's, he's about to walk away, but he pulls out his cell phone. He shows me this video of a great big container ship, no background, just open blue water, and this thing is just, huge, and it's, it's stacked with row after row after row of, of normal cargo containers. And you watch, and, and the lid tips up on one, out pokes a missile, zingo away it goes, an intermediate range missile, and Paul names it, you know, the, the, the name for it was a Russian intermediate range missile. And I go, wow, and, and he leaves. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at that video, and weeks pass, and I think, that was very realistic, very realistic. I didn't want to bother the guy, but I finally called him up and I said, Paul, Paul, i got to know, where did you get that video? And um, he laughs and he says, John, you wrote the book. <laughs> I, said, well, I want to know where he got the video. He would never tell me, of course. I didn't expect he would. 
But what he did tell me is he says, go to the Internet, go to Google, and Google Club K, K-L-U-B space K, or it could be C-L-U-B space K. And, okay, it's right up there, public and everything else. I go Google it. It turns out that the Russians have a, a missile system, four launchers, that fits in a standard cargo container. And they have been selling them at uh, this time on the world market for two or three years. It's, you know, here's a nice little missile system, and you can put it on the back of a tractor trailer or on a rail car or wherever you want, and it'll do all kinds of stuff. And one of them... Uh, was particularly nasty, and they were selling it to the Iranians. Uh, and this is Reuters and things like that. It's it's not just Internet rumors. It's a company set up to take orders for the things. And so the one that they were selling to the Iranians, and this is two or three years ago now, had three missiles, or excuse me, four missiles in it. Three of them were GPS targeted, where you can put in coordinates and bingo, the bridge or the building goes away. Uh, the third one, or the fourth one, was really nasty. It was hypersonic, and it was a carrier killer, Mach 3. And I'm going, holy, and I'm, to this day, I've not heard anything about that in the Western media. But if you search that system out, it's real and uh, spookily like my novels. So that's what I do. That's what I write. And um, one thing I have in common with Michael is, is you get attention. Not all attention is good. Uh, so I was blacklisted on Amazon. I, all my old reviews, I had 20 years of reviews up, poof, they're all gone. And um, and I, that's actually okay. I'm not being uh, having to deal with trolls now. That, and they are still selling my books, so that's good. They're a good company. They sell a lot of books. But I'm just not allowed to say anything over there. So my request to all you people who might be interested in novels, the two things that I would really like, if you like my books, Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, and throw a review up, because that's how I get noticed. I'm not allowed to do that myself. I'm not allowed to comment under my own author's site. But they are selling my books, and I appreciate that, and they got a viewpoint, and i got a different one. So that's kind of my novels. Well, John, is, uh, I need to point out that uh, the review, you wrote a very good review about my latest novel, uh, The Rag, which is along the lines of what happens after an EMP attack and if they were occupied by our own government with the help of foreign forces and the American people basically rise up and uh, defend our country and try to take back our country. You gave a great review on Amazon, which has disappeared. And interestingly, some other favorable reviews have disappeared. Uh, the left hates the novel. They've gone absolutely uh, crazy over it. Uh, they they accuse me of, of being ultra-conservative and a gun nut, which for me are compliments. You know, they, they think they're saying something bad about me, negative about me. I think they're compliments. But they uh, have been attacking the novel, and mysteriously, well, Amazon has already decided that... Uh, they're not going to issue any of my books anymore as e-books because supposedly Michael Connolly, the mystery author, complains that violated the copyright of his name. Well, that's bull because you can't copyright a name under uh, copyright law. So I think this was Amazon just reacting to uh, bad reviews by some of the people on there. But my books are 
are all on sale on Amazon. If you want them as an e-book, you can get them through Barnes & Noble and everything. But I'm, I'm the same as you. I need people to, to buy the book and read the book, and if they like it, go on there and, and post a good review because obviously they're, they're removing some of them. Yours is not the only one that's been removed. Uh, there are several others that I've noticed lately have disappeared. So we're both fighting that battle. But uh, on to the, so the topics of the day, uh, one of the things that uh, fits right in with really what you've been writing about, what I've been writing about, is the situation in North, with North Korea. And I frankly think what the president did in talking about bringing down fire and fury on the North Koreans is good. Now, the media is trashing him for it. The Democrats are trashing him for it. Even some Republicans are saying, oh, that's, that's provocative and belligerent. Well, provocative is what North Korea is doing, and that's threatening to, to destroy Guam or, or hit the continental United States with ICBMs. And the only language that Kim Jong-un will understand is the type of language that Trump used because they have obviously ignored what previous presidents have said, particularly, uh, you know, President Obama, who would basically slap him, tap him on the back of the hand, bad Kim, bad Kim, stop it, please. And so that type of rhetoric's not working. Uh, so very quickly, because we have to take a break in a minute, what do you think of the president's rhetoric here? Well, I think it is um, very statesmanlike. In fact, those words that he used pretty much are the same thing, the same words. It resonated. It was the same as FDR said after Pearl Harbor, a lot of the same phrases. And uh, the problem is, is bullies are bullies until you stop them. And um, we could talk forever, but... There's a sh the only well, let's, active duty. Let's take Go a, ahead. We let's got take a, cut. a break. All right, cut over. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, Finish your thought, John. You were talking about this this being a uh, a good comment that was made by the president about North Korea. Well, I, I think that what has happened, North Korea has been a problem ever since uh, we blundered into that back in the 1950s. I study a lot of history, and it was almost an accidental thing. Truman blundered into it. And so uh, here's Korea, and you have the Korean War, and you have the Cold War going on. And, of course, we got involved, and um, 
it kind of stalemated. But Eisenhower came in, and what most people don't realize is he was going to use nukes. He told the Chinese, we're going to use nukes, and he said that in his book. Okay, And all of a sudden, it ended. It turns out it was never a declared war. We were pretending that it was a police action. And um, so that, and we dressed our troops up in UN uniform, sent them over there. And how it ended was not with a, an end of a war or anything. It was just a ceasefire. So it's been a ceasefire for 70 years. Uh, they're still at war with us. Right? And uh, one of the things that happened a long time ago when I was a young engineer was the USS Pueblo. And I was doing ELINT stuff. One of my systems is on the Pueblo, and it's sitting there. <laughs> they came out in international waters, and uh, they attacked our ship and dragged it in there and uh, took all the crew. Uh, Commander Booker was his name. And uh, it's still there. See, it's an active-duty Navy ship sitting in the harbor over there in Haiphong. And um, so they, he's been spitting in our face for 70 years. And the deal is he's intimidated everybody because they have a very uh, significant military presence. And Seoul is well within range of, I don't know, 30,000 artillery pieces. And so he's blackmailing the rest of the world, and everybody's let him get away with it. And now it's escalated to the point where he has nuclear weapons and delivery systems. He'll use them, okay? He will use them, and then you get into what do you do about it. And uh, nothing that, that Clinton did, Clinton says no problem, you know, Obama says no problem. Somebody's going to have to do something, and right now... Anything, you know, you have the media taking the side of North Korea over President Trump. Okay, they use it as an opportunity to bash him. But um, he's going to use one of those babies. And I, I, how do you stop a nuclear war? Okay, or do you do it preemptively? I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen, in my opinion. And also, uh, the other thing to think about. Uh, you talk about Iran, yes, that's kind of a test case for what Iran might do. They're even worse. But both of those countries deal with terrorists. So you can start shipping nukes to terrorist organizations, and you don't need a missile. You could put one in a truck and put it in the middle of a city, and boom, city's gone. So we're in dangerous times here, and um, Mr. Trump did not create that situation. It's been building for 70 years, and people have been ignoring it and enabling it, and so here it is. Yeah, I agree. We, I think we're going to need to, to launch a preemptive strike of some kind uh, to either by cyber. It could start out with cyber to take out the area defense system, to mess up with their government communications or intercommunications, and then it would probably have to escalate from there to uh, actual attacks. Now, I'm not talking nuclear attacks. We don't need to do that at this point. We need to stop them from being able to launch nuclear weapons. And we have the conventional weapons capable of do that, doing that. Uh, a lot of talk about Guam, but we have B-1 bombers stationed on Guam. Uh, that is, Guam is basically one of the largest air, air bases and naval bases in the world. And uh, they call it a, a floating, uh, the largest aircraft carrier in the world because of all the fighter jets and bombers that are based there. So that's where I see us, you know, possibly going here. And Americans need to prepare themselves for it because I've 
talked about an EMP attack, and uh, others have talked about it, including you. And the EMP attack is, is, for those that don't know what it is, that would be North Korea launching an ICBM or even a a missile launch from a, a submarine that would be exploded it wouldn't have to hit a specific target in this country. It just had to be detonated, uh, basically in outer space above the target, and it would put out an electromagnetic pulse that would knock out our power grids, and basically put people in a position where you can't use your banks. The banks are shut down. Computers are shut down. Uh, filling stations are shut down. You've got no no electricity, no communications. Cell towers are, are down. So. This would not be something that would last for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. It could last for years, and the death toll would be horrendous. So that's where I see coming the possible preemptive attack. And before we go into the situation in Oregon, which I, I know you got a lot to tell us about, uh, one thing I did want to mention was uh, something else involving Donald Trump, uh, his criticism of Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, who has recently been attacking Trump tremendously and, you know, as part of this Russian collusion business, which is unproven at this point and I don't think will ever be proven. But Blumenthal, as Trump points out, has done something that, that as a veteran, I absolutely abhor. He ran originally for the United States Senate in Connecticut, touting his service in Vietnam. It turned out he never served in Vietnam. He was a member of the Reserves. And I was a member of the Army Reserve, so I was never called up to Vietnam either. I did some active duty, but not in Vietnam. I have never claimed to be a Vietnam veteran. He did. And this, this to me, is just something that, that uh, I find abhorrent. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, John? That's the stolen honor thing. It is extremely despicable. And in my life, um, I'm, I'm a member now of the Military Writers uh, Association, Association of America, okay? And um, for years, people were saying I should join. I said, well, I've never served. I've never served. I was, I was the idiot civilian in the back of Elint birds and, and gunships and things like that working on prototype systems. But I always drew a hard line. No, you guys over there, you were doing it. I was just trying to help. And so for years, uh, I've, no, I can't join. I, I'm, it's a military writer society, and I've never served. Well, uh, people, friends that were members kept saying, John, you're okay. You know, you could join. And finally, and I'd, I'd call them. They'd call them, you know. Do, I, they never called me back, okay. And finally, after two or three years of this, one of my buddies is an Army vet, and he says, damn it, John, just, you're, you're a member. They want you fill out this form, send them a check. You know, they're already. So I did. Now I'm a member. I'm going to the conference next month in San Antonio. And two of my books, I, I think, are in for awards. Uh, I, I'd hope to be able to announce that. They're going to announce it, the finalists on uh, the 15th, so I don't know for sure yet. But, no, there's a big distinction. I've been, you know, I think I'm patriotic. I have ancestors that go all the way back to the Revolutionary War. But, no, I am not a vet. I was exposed to some things, but I was a civilian. And, in fact, people tried to protect me. I had... You know, very uh, high-level clearances, and I was the sort of person that wasn't even supposed to be certain places. <laughs> so, but no, that is absolutely terrible. And if for a politician to do that and to be elected based on a lie like that, I think is terrible. 
Well, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, uh, Military Rider Society because I have recently joined on your recommendation. And, of course, I am a veteran. I've, I did uh, 13 years active uh, active and reserve in the military. And uh, I've got to send them a copy of my book about my dad's unit in World War II, The Mortarman, uh, because it's become highly noticed right now all of a sudden by historians. Uh, I've had several comments from historians, World War II historians, who did not know the importance of this particular unit. They fired the big 4.2 mortars, and they landed the second wave at Utah Beach and were in combat for 326 straight days. And the book is called The Mortarman. And people are looking at it. They're actually talking now about uh, making a documentary about it. And uh, they are going to reenact in Conant, Ohio, uh, on Lake Erie every year, they reenact the D-Day invasion, and they use reenactors from all different countries, and they have the actual landing craft, and they have the weapons. One of the reenactment groups contacted me because they were reenacting as infantry and decided after reading the book they wanted to be the 87th Chemical Mortar Battalion and how they landed. So they actually have acquired a 4.2 mortar which they're going to have a live fire demonstration. It's one of the few in the world that's still available that can be fired, and they're going to be doing that uh, next month. Well, actually this month uh, they're going to be doing it. So the, the book is called The Mortarman, and it's, it's getting a lot of notice. And I, you know, I was like you, not with the Military Writers Association, because I knew I was eligible for that, but people have been trying to get me for years to join the Vietnam Veterans of America. And I said, well, I never served in Vietnam. I did stuff other places. And they said, well, you served during the Vietnam War, so you're eligible. Well, that may be fine for them, but it's not for me. Because I I feel like if I join the Vietnam Veterans of America, I am dishonoring, to a certain extent, those who actually were over there. And I had I lost friends over there. I lost friends in Vietnam. I lost my Ranger Battalion Commander from LSU was killed over there. So that's the way I feel about it, and that's why I go along with you as far as Richard Blumenthal goes and what he's done. But let's move on now to the craziness in Oregon. Uh, you know, this I recently was doing some research and did a, a, an article uh, for one of the places I write for about the illegal immigrant who up in Portland... He had been arrested something like 20 times, or deported something like 20 times, had been arrested for various crimes in this country. Uh, ICE asked the sheriff's office to put a detainer on him and hold him until he could pick, hold the man until they could pick him up, and the sheriff let him go. Well, within a short period of time, he raped one woman, as I understand it, and then beat up another one and stole her car. And the sheriff is still defending this sanctuary city uh, policy. So, so what do you know about this incident, John? Well, I know more. I mean, everybody hang on to your seats, and I'm going to give you the whole context. Everything you just said is true, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. And I don't want to lay a bunch of gloom and doom on everybody because I think that 80% of America, I have a lot of people who communicate with me, and there's more hope than I've seen in years. So I would say 80% of America is coming back. But there are these little pockets, okay? And uh, so you see crazy things happening, and the West Coast is particularly bad, California and Oregon. So I'll just talk about, I'll center it on that incident. 
The one you talked about that made the national news, we, they keep a pretty tight lid on things, but this 20 times deported illegal named uh, Sergio Jose Martin, Martinez, okay, rape, assault, had a long, long rap, rap sheet. He came back, he'd been deported 20 times, so he comes back for 21, and he rapes and uh, beats up a 65-year-old woman in a home invasion and damn near kills her. That was July 24th, okay? The news got on it, and it was not favorable about Portland. Um, and um, very, very little in the press here, almost nothing. You know, uh, Trump is calling it the fake news media, absolutely, and it's that way at a local level. But let's put that, that 20 times deported thing in context. Well, hold that hold right there, John. Uh, we need to take our second break, so hold your thought. We'll be right back. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, John, uh, pick up where you left off with regard to the Martinez situation in, in Portland. Okay, well, the Martinez situation, the uh, the actual crime was committed on the 24th, okay, of July. Well, let's move back a little bit because several things have been happening that led up to that. So that was July. Uh, in May, we had a Bernie Sanders supporter who was pretty much crazy. He was crazy as a loon. 
uh, never did find out what his name was. His his name that he was using was Christian, so he was a Christian. He went by the name Jeremy Christian. And that, that did get a lot of media attention because they said, oh, he's a Trump supporter. He went around as a hate crime, you know, harassing blacks and, and Muslims and blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out Jeremy Christian was anything but a Christian. He was a lunatic with a very long rap sheet, had many encounters with the police. And he's on public transit in Portland on May 28th, and he was harassing a, a young Muslim woman and a young black woman. And some of the other passengers objected, including two white males, uh, one of whom was a veteran, and he killed them. He knifed these two men and uh, didn't harm the women. He, he, he knifed three people, actually, uh, killed two of them. And, uh, but the media spun it to say, oh, it was, uh, he was a Trump supporter. Well, actually, he had a long Facebook page. And he had threatened to kill both. If Trump was elected, he was going to kill him. And if Hillary uh, was elected, he was going to kill him. He was a burning supporter. He's crazy as a loon. And so he's still out there. Um, so um, that's May. Well, in between May and July, we have the month of June. What happened in the month of June? Well, the month of June is you have a whole bunch of Republicans and conservatives and everything else unhappy with how the situation was going in Portland. The, the Bernie Sanders thing and blaming Trump for this crazy guy he had nothing to do with. And so they're going to have a uh, the big one of the big events in Portland is the Rose Festival. So they have parades and things. So the Republicans are going to go and have a parade like they do every year. Well, the, the mayor says, you can't do that, it's too dangerous, it's hate crimes, it's all you violent people, you know, that are Trump supporters, and yada, yada, yada. And one thing leads to another, and the Trump administration says, we're not going to support that. So they had their parade, and absolutely nothing happened because the police, you know, buckled down, put on their assault suits, you know, body armor and everything else, and they stood behind, between this this mob of Antifa and Black Lives Matter people and this smaller group of Republicans. And so there was a standoff. Now, nothing happened, but the police disarmed these Antifa people, and they got knives and, and pieces of pipe, and they uh, one of them was up on a rooftop that was going to drop bricks off and everything. And so people were very angry about that. So you have the Martinez thing in July, you have the Bernie Sanders thing in May, in between it you have this confrontation, and the local newspapers followed up on the Rose Parade thing was saying, oh, isn't that brutal, you know, all these police in their, in their armor and everything else. So what just happened today is uh, Portland, uh, this is off of, um, it's just coming out now, it's not even in the newspaper, it happened yesterday, Portland hires outlaw as new police chief. Well, it turns out outlaw isn't an outlaw. She is used to be the assistant chief down in Oakland, which before Chicago and Obama was the highest, it was the murder capital of the United States. Really nasty place. So she's a black police chief. He has fired the police chief because his people put on full gear and you know got between, and that was controversial. So number one. What has happened to Martinez? Um, absolutely nothing. Uh, 
there was another person who was one of the Infada people, Louis Marquez. He was the one who was throwing bricks and setting buildings on fire and everything else. He went before a judge in Portland, and uh, Antifa Louis, M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z, and two days ago there was a a hearing in court, and all these people did Testified. A lot of there were a number of restraining orders, a number of uh, charges of, of felony, this, that, and the other thing. The judge dismissed all the charges. Okay, and a fellow named Leo Stratton, S T R A T T O N, on the internet has reported that there's not been a mention in the in the local newspapers. Uh, so you have no justice in Portlandia for the agitators. You have the police chief being fired. Nothing as of yet has happened to this Jose Martinez. And uh, this is life on the West Coast. And why I say everybody should listen to that this is, this is the truth. This is what is happening. And it's not the only place it's happening, but it is happening in Portland. And I'm very close to there. Um, but just wake up every morning, thank God that Hillary didn't get elected, because this stuff was pre-planned. They're rolling it out in places here in the West. Seattle has had some incidents like this, too. Um, and I think that they're not going to get away with it. But You have BART gangs down in San Francisco, gangs of 40 to 50 people, who sit on the bar and they beat people up and rob them, and they won't show the films of it because it would be racist. I assume they're mostly black. Okay, so that's that story. And one more action item that everybody. So listen to that. Hug your kids and be thankful Hillary didn't get elected, because this is a small part of the country dealing with it, but it could be everywhere. Uh, the other thing I recommend everybody should do. Because there was one more thing that happened, and uh, way back last year, uh, <clears throat> you had me, uh, Michael, uh, following the ranchers and Burns and the reporters who were arrested and everything else. And one of the amazing things that happened, there are three reporters that were over in the incidents, this is a year ago, uh, where uh, uh, they protested. and. Uh, some of them, one of them was shot, and the rest of them were arrested. And um, the ranchers were acquitted. They got a jury trial, and they were found not guilty. But there were three reporters involved. One was your friend Michael Pete Sinelli. One was a fellow named Mike Strickland, who I'm going to talk about in a minute. And uh, there's a fellow, another Mike named Mike Emery. All of those three reporters are still incarcerated. None have been convicted of anything. Um, and Strickland, the Strickland case, I think, is the one that everybody needs to pay attention to. Uh, now we have NRA offering a new type of insurance that, that Dana Lash is promoting. Why does that matter? Well, <clears throat> you could get insurance that if you were attacked by somebody and you had to use a gun, and I'm giving public book signings now, so I pay a lot of attention to this stuff, um, if if some altercation happens and, and you wind up having to hurt somebody, you have insurance. Mike Strickland, the reporter, is covering one of these riots in Portland, and this is 2016, so this is about a year ago when it happened, about this time a year, a year ago. And he had been beaten up by 
a similar mob, might even have been the same mob, same group, I don't know, but very similar, a year or so before. And they had they had beaten him up badly, broken his arm, put him in the hospital for quite a while, and smashed his camera. Okay. So Mike was out at the Burns protest, uh, the, the so-called uh, the refuge, the wildlife refuge that really may or may not be a refuge and may or may not even be federal. But he's one of the people covering that. And so that ends. The ranchers are all in prison. Mike comes back to Portland. He's being a reporter. He goes down to Portland, gets attacked by another mob, a whole bunch of them. This time he's prepared. It's just him with his camera, but he's packing. Okay, and there were like eight or ten of these people. They had him surrounded. Uh, they're coming at him. They all were carrying poles. He pulls his gun and says, "You guys don't want to do this." And it broke up the incident. They did not want to do that. And so he is. Uh, the police come. They look at the scene and they say, "No crime committed here. Nothing happened. No harm. No foul." And so they let him go. Well, then the politicians get ahead of a hold of it, and within days, Mike Strickland is looking at 21 felonies. Okay, and he has been convicted. Now it's being appealed. Mike Strickland is the reporter, and uh, there's a uh, news host that is a good friend of mine. That you know, she knows him pretty well, and she's been talking this up all over the place. Victoria Taft, I think you've had her on. But anyway, so Mike is right now uh, out on bail. They're appealing this court ruling. He did not get a jury trial. And they were not. he was not allowed to show the film from his camera watch of these guys coming at him. Okay. He wasn't allowed, to, they weren't allowed to talk about the fact that he'd been beaten up and put in the hospital a year before. So Mike is now uh, technically a convicted felon. And even if he had the NRA insurance, it wouldn't have done him a lick of good because nothing happened. He never fired a shot. He's been charged with crimes. Well, the new type of NRA insurance that Dana Lash is uh, is promoting will cover that. And so I maxed that out. I got that insurance policy. Uh, I've been asked to do a book signing downtown at one of the big bookstores. I don't even think I want to go there to sell two or three books. It's not worth it. But this is life on the West Coast, and it's totally out of control. So be thankful if you live in the other 80% of the country. So that's kind of Portland events. Well, we uh, I'm going to have to look into that insurance because uh, I pack a pistol around my property uh, almost constantly anymore. Because, you know, for people that most people know that listen to the show that we got hit by an F5 tornado back in April 29th. It was one of nine tornadoes that hit our county in three hours. And the big one was the F5, and it, it hit our little ranch outside of Canton and did severe damage. And but we, we we recovered pretty much. We're still in recovery. The places around us were totally destroyed. But one thing that happened was a lot of police and sheriff's deputies from all over the state came in to protect us against looters. And there was some attempts at, at looting, but uh, I basically was told, and this was the head of one of the church groups that was supplying, supplying relief. Uh, she told me, she says, there have been looters in the area, so make sure you carry a pistol. And I said, well, I, I do that anyway. 
but uh, that's the East Texas philosophy as opposed to the Portland, Oregon philosophy. Uh, down here, we don't call 911. If you see a looter after a disaster like that, we just shoot them. It's simple as that. And that's the way it works. Well, we're going to take our last break now, John. We'll be back in a minute. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guest today is a good friend and, and award-winning novelist, John Trudell, uh, who is living in Oregon and has been telling us horror stories about what life on the West Coast is like these days. And when you look at places like Evergreen College up in Washington State, and what's happened in Portland, and what's happened in San Francisco with the uh, uh, situation with the uh, Kate's Law. Uh, Kate's, you know, was the young lady who was killed by an illegal who had been deported five times and was back in the country. And uh, Kate Steinle was her name. And that the House of Representatives has overwhelmingly passed a piece of legislation that makes it a federal crime punishable by mandatory five-year prison sentence to come back into the country once you've been deported. And that law is now in the United States Senate and is being blocked by the Democrats in the Senate from being passed because they don't want to do anything to anger the illegal immigrant population. And that that's one thing that uh, you all have a lot of problems with on the West Coast. Uh, isn't that true, John? Oh, absolutely. In fact, in Portland, um, or excuse me, in Oregon, uh, illegals get driver's licenses, and the driver's licenses are effectively a voter ID. <laughs> okay? So Portland is a sanctuary city, just like just like San Francisco is, and that's where the, the, the thing that got us in it with Martinez, absolutely right, is just as bad as San Francisco. And the more these things happen, the more they're covered up, and when they do hit the news, it's always, oh, it's gun violence. Well, in this case, you know, um, <laughs> Martinez didn't use a gun, so that sort of slowed it down a little bit. But at the same time, they're trying to pass laws to take, uh, we had a bill passed in the last legislature here, Senate Bill 719. It was a well-intentioned answer to veteran suicides. Okay, the VAs have been a disaster uh, we spend half the year in Arizona, which is much better in most respects, but their VA down there is just a poster child for horror stories. And I've got at least one. I don't know if I'll have time. But what they did is they passed this bill. 
now we have a lot of veteran suicides. So now there's a law that allows courts to compel an individual to surrender their firearms if somebody says they're acting violent, uh, just by a judge's decision, no jury trial or anything else. And my congressman here for Oregon just thought that was the worst bill he had ever seen, a real freedom buster. And it was intended to be compassionate. You know, people get depressed, they commit suicide. But essentially what you're doing is you're taking people's Second Amendment rights away from them. Uh, yes, a judge has to rule. Well, you've heard the kind of judge's rulings we've gotten out here, like with Mike Strickland. So I'm sorry, I do not trust these liberal judges anymore, and I don't think Mr. Trump does either. Well, we've got no reason to trust them. And what what were you, ta you talking about uh something about the Veterans Administration in Arizona? Oh, yeah. Well, ba basically, it's just um, we're, we spend half the year in Arizona. So I'm a snowbird now. We move back and forth and uh, kind of follow the sun. And as a writer, I think it's fascinating because it's too exactly, everything is different, the politics, so forth and so on. But uh, down there, we don't, we don't have... Um, local doctors. We have to go to the emergency room. I took my wife into the ER and we're sitting there waiting to be served. And this is this is in Phoenix. Phoenix is the place that's gotten all the bad press. And I look and here comes this guy literally dragging his body across the concrete. And it's it's a veteran who's gone to the VA and they said, no, we can't see you. Come back in a month. And he was in deep trouble. So he got a cab and they left him off at the curb. And he's trying to crawl into the VA, and I go out to help him, and they're saying, no, you're not allowed to do that, okay? Well, you guys help him. No, we can't do anything till we get him inside. And I'm just raising hell about it. Finally, we get him inside, and all kinds of help, and they put him in a wheelchair, and away he goes. And I don't even know the fellow's name. But we have had, take any of my books, uh, the last one, I have a tally of how many vets a day have been dying, you know, even before Obamacare, there is your horror case for, for medical insurance. And w I watched that happen with my own eyes, uh, you know. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a retired colonel, a doctor, and they had one in Portland trying to get into the VA, and he died in the parking garage. <laughs> Nobody would help him. Yeah, that sounds like what, a lot of what we've been talking about. <clears throat> I've been working on VA cases now for for years, particularly involving the uh, Second Amendment rights of veterans who, under the Obama administration, were getting letters saying, uh, we're going to declare you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs because of your physical or mental uh, injuries, and uh, once we do that, you can no longer own a firearm. And uh, we just won a case here in, Louisiana, in Texas uh, recently where we got a veteran, the incompetency ruling reversed, because this had been made on the on the basis of absolutely no evidence whatsoever, and then he went to try to buy a firearm and found out he was still on the FBI NICS list, the National Instant Criminal Background Checklist, which you go on automatically once the VA declares you incompetent. There's no hearings, no anything, but you're put on there as being mentally defective to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. So we got his the FBI to reverse that, and this man now is able to own a firearm again. But it took us three years to do, and so that that shows you some of the struggles that our veterans are going through right now. But uh, we're going to be wrapping it up in about five minutes or so, John. So 
one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you've taken some flack over the cover of your uh, latest book, Raven's Run, uh, Raven's Redemption, I should say. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's basically a different chapter of the Amazon story. Uh, it turned out that, um, you know, in some ways, Amazon, they're a good company. Uh, Bezos is over the top, and, and what people don't realize how far out he is. Uh, in 2016, I think it was, uh, the uh, Brennan CIA gave Amazon a $600 million contract to do stuff. God knows what the stuff was, but anyway, that's a bunch of money. Bezos is either the wealthiest guy in the country or close to it, and so he smiles and he takes that money to do whatever Brennan wanted him to do. We could talk forever about Brennan. But then of the $600 million, which is not pocket change, Bezos took half of that, $300 million. He bought the Washington Post, which was a failing leftist newspaper, and that is now... Um, well, when, tweet, uh, when Trump tweets about it, he calls it Amazon uh, Wopo or something like that. And uh, so that is the environment there. And before I was blacklisted, I spent five years with trolls all over me. You know, I'm a Nazi, I'm this, that, and the other thing. And it was fil filtering through um, into the advertising. And so I had... Um, if I, I foolishly gave them an exclusive on my e-books, uh, so I unpublished a couple of books, and there we are, and I ran a little test case, and um, it was fine, okay. And I tested it a couple of times. I, actually, that book was the first one, which was God's House. But God's House and Raven's Redemption have shadow images of people on the cover, and there's a silhouette of a gun, just like in the James Bond movies, right? Okay, so they do this, and they run the ads, and I... I spent a little bit of money on it. I never got my money back for the advertising, but I was definitely selling more books. And I roll up to Christmas 2015, and I'm going to run a big promotion, and you submit it to them, and it's, it comes back approved. And they ran it. Oh, I, but then I got another note that said, well, we're not going to, uh, you have a violent image, okay? So we look at my covers of my book. So God's House had a violent image. Now, it had not been a violent image for five years. It had actually won a national award for the cover of the book. Amazon had run advertising and promotion for that very book. But for the Christmas market, which is the big market, they ran the ad without showing a picture of the book you were going to get. And guess what? The sales were absolutely zero. <laughs> okay. And we talked about that. And so we played that game for a couple of months. They would approve my ads if I ran a few. But if I put some money behind it, they, they, wouldn't, um, they wouldn't allow it to be shown, and I would cancel the ads. And so we played that. And finally, I got tired of it. I canceled their exclusive and about the time, and you can't just cancel it. What you do is you click, click a box that you don't renew it every 90 days. So it takes three months to get clear of it. And about the time I got clear of it, uh, I was banned from posting on Amazon. And that was in, uh, let's see, that happened August 29th last year. And then in November, uh, <laughs> I gave your book a good review, uh, which was the third last one I did. The very last one was the Hillary book, which I gave a terrible review and they took the review down in hours and uh that was you know in january or excuse me september and then in november all my reviews disappeared several hundred reviews poof gone 
And so where I am now is I'm keeping my head down. Um, uh, they are selling my books, but I'm not saying a word there. All the trolls are gone, and it's just a weird world out there. So I guess it's good for a, an indie novelist to get that much notice. I'm not sure. But. <laughs> but before we, we sign off, John, uh, give the listeners your information again about how they can get to your website and blog and order your books. Absolutely. To order the books, and the, my, my author site will get you anywhere. So just look at the books, www.johntrudell.com. And you can click on order books. It will take you to Barnes & Noble. It will take you to Amazon. Look at the books. And I'd really appreciate it. I could use a couple, you know, it could be 15, 15 words is fine. Just say a couple of kind words and give me a review because right now I can't do anything and I'm afraid to go near the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I encourage people to buy John's books. Uh, they're very, very good. And uh, if you want to buy my books, you can go to my website at www.michaelconnelly.jigsy. G-I-G-S-Y dot com, and you can buy them directly through the website from me, or you can go to take you to Amazon and uh, places like that. Like I said, you can get them as e-books, at least three of the books as e-books in, uh, on Barnes & Noble. And uh, I also could use some reviews because, like I said, my good reviews, some of them have been taken down by Amazon, which clearly doesn't like my patriotic novel, The Rag, uh, because the left doesn't like it, so... John and I are, are kindred spirits when it comes to, to dealing with that situation. But John, it's been great having you on again. I hope to have a have you on again in the in the future, and uh, I look forward to us getting together one of these days. So thanks for being Michael, on today. Thank you so much, and. All- The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> no.